It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, we are welcoming you back in the month of September. This is our second podcast in the whole series we're calling Do-Overs. Uh, because if there's anything um, I have had to do in my life is a lot of do-overs, both in maybe do-over of attitudes and do-over of behaviors and those terrible recipes I've tried, right, that (laughs) were a flop, had to do them over. But Uh we are really excited to have you join us today. We have Krista Demedio, a good friend of Laura Perino and myself. Uh, We actually all went to church together when we were all at the same church, all three of us. And so uh, Krista has an amazing story about the do-over, a total life transformation that the Holy Spirit brought about in her life. So Krista, thank you so much for being here with us. The beauty of the podcast and the using the Zoom platform is Laura is presently in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm in Newark. And Krista, you are at the beach. Yes. So we are really grateful for the technology and the ability to stay together while we're apart. And so we've really prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to lead through um, this sharing. We've done that this, separately, the three of us, but I just feel today an urgency to pray again. Pray with you, our listeners, because Krista's story is um, an amazing testimony where God did a do-over in the life of a prodigal. And so let me encourage you, if you have been praying for someone who has been running from God for a long time in your own life, uh, I want you to be encouraged by this story, Um, not to give up praying, not to give up loving and planting seeds that are good. If you are someone, you're running right now, and maybe somebody has shared this podcast with you, have an open heart. Be encouraged. You are not so far gone that your Heavenly Father cannot find you and cannot rescue you. So, Father, we just want to thank you for this moment. We are so grateful that you are the God who runs after the prodigal, that there is no place that we can run so far that you can't reach us, that your spirit can't heal and that you can't set our feet on a rock and set us in the direction of living life according to the purpose that you've designed for each one of us. So we commit our ability right now to receive um, what you're speaking through Krista. We pray, Lord, as she records this right now, that the, the testimony of her story, which can't be denied, can't be refuted because it's her testimony, Lord, that it will flow out of her Uh, under the direction of your Holy Spirit. We pray that she won't miss anything and she won't add anything that's not what's in your heart, what's your plan. So we commit this time of receiving to you. So Krista, before we um, jump into the deeper part of your testimony, why don't you just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, whatever you want to share of your understanding about who you are in Christ. Okay. Thanks for having me, girls. Um, First, I, I want to share that uh, I, I am a child of God. I'm a wife to a loving husband who um, who has God at the center. I am a mom to three boys. Um, I am a NICU nurse. I'm a hairstylist sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a committed friend, and um, I truly believe that I am a miracle. Amen. 
Um, I believe that um, I was lost and that I had been found, and that is because God has never turned his back on me. He was there even when I didn't think he was there, when I didn't even know who he really was. Um, a scripture that I go back to that I can really relate to is uh, Luke 15, 3 through 7. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Would he, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Wow, you know, Krista, knowing you for so many years and uh, really considering that uh, a blessing and, and hearing how you describe yourself right now, right? I know you as a nurse and as a committed parent, and I know you and Joe, and I see what an amazing husband God has provided for you. Um, it wasn't until just recently, to be perfectly honest with you, after we had been in Bible study for many years that I had any idea that there was a story that went uh, deeper or further behind this miracle of finishing nursing school and being a NICU nurse and having all of this um, passion for the Word of God that you have, right? I was blown away after, um, after so many years of being your friend to hear you just mention once or twice in Bible study small parts of your story. And I remember thinking at that moment, I want to know more. Like, I need to know more about her story and what's going on. Hearing you read and knowing your passion and knowing who you are as a, as a follower of Jesus, hearing you read that passage about the one and how Jesus goes after the one. Honestly, I am, I've got it in my throat right now, right? Trying to keep back the tears because your story truly is a miraculous one. And we can all put our, ourselves in that perspective that when, when Jesus went after us, we all were the one, right? He left us all to, he left the 99 to go find each one of us. But there's something about when you read that passage, knowing where the Lord um, found you, right? And how he pursued, pursued you, that really speaks to my heart. And I know it will speak to our listeners as well. It's a powerful passage. And I'm just wondering, as you read that, you know, there are so many different takeaways that we can take from that passage. Like, what are some highlights that when you read that passage, God is speaking to your heart? You know how we always talked about in Bible study, it's like the Holy Spirit takes the highlighter, right? And, and highlights things for us when we read the passage into our hearts to speak to us. So what are the things that you really think God highlights for you out of that when it comes to your story that our listeners can really relate to and can experience transformation in their own lives through? Um, well, with my, my story, um, and most people who, who do see me and know me now would never believe that, you know, I was the person um, that I was. Um, just the way that I looked, the way that I did not care for myself, um, you know, the things that I was doing to myself, my actions um, are totally, um, completely different than, than they are now. Um, I have an acronym that I use um, is ART, which was abandoned, rescued, and, and transformation. And um, out of the abandoned um, 
part um, is the beginning of my story, which I think is the foundation which created the feelings and um, the emptiness inside of me. Um, so, you know, my parents were young. Um, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant and 16 when she had me. And it's so funny how I can go so long and not tell the story. And then when I tell it, it I am how emotional I get. So I'm sorry. Oh, it's it's all good. Understandable. Yeah. Um, so my parents were young when they had me and, um, my mom was 16, my dad was 18, they were married for two years, and I was an only child. And so, you know, my mom did the best that she could. I lived with my mom, they, my, I saw my dad, um, you know, when I was supposed to see him every other weekend, but I usually didn't. So I was raised a lot by my grandparents. I was raised by um, people that really, that weren't family, but they took good care of me. Um, I was moved around from place to place a lot. I did not have a sturdy foundation. Um, and my mom was doing things that a normal person that's, you know, 18, 19, 20 is doing. She had boyfriends, she had her social life. And so um, I was left a lot with the feelings of, you know, that nobody really wanted me, you know, that my parents were always, you know, sh sh shoveling me off to be with somebody else. Um, and I always felt that, you know, my mom's boyfriends were more important than me. Um, and I would always say that I didn't ask to be put here, you know. And so I got those feelings of insecurity and um, not being enough. And um, although I, I got good grades in school, I played sports, I did come become quite the perfectionist because I felt if I became, you know, good at these things that then maybe they would come and they would see, see me, you know, and pay attention to me. And um, that didn't really, um, I can remember playing sports and playing games and, you know, um, not having anybody there watching me as I played. And um, so, uh, when I was 14, my mom moved, got remarried, um, and she moved to Delaware, and I, we were living in Pennsylvania, and um, I was going to have to move to Delaware and go to a Catholic private school, and I had never um, been raised in church. Um, I was baptized a Methodist, um, but never made to go to church. I went to church uh, on holidays and special occasions, usually with other families, um, and sometimes with my grandmother, but... I really didn't know anything about God. Um, I remember laying down and praying. Now I lay me down to sleep, and you know that was um, that was the extent mm -hmm. of my conversation with God. And so, I did not want to move with my mom. I was very, I was pretty angry with my mom. Um, I had already at this time started um, drinking and um, and smoking pot at probably the age of twelve, um, and. So my mom moved to Delaware. I'd asked my father if I could live with him, and he said that his girlfriend, who he had been with um, for some years, um, said that it was her or me, and so he chose her over me. Um, and so I went to live with my grandparents, who I lived with when I was younger, when my mom had first had me. Um, but they didn't live in my school district, so these other people that I called my granny and pop-up did live in the school district, so 
they were my guardians, but I lived with these people. And so I had to, you know, always be running around and trying to figure out things on my own about how I would get things signed. And, you know, it was just, it was a lot, it was a lot of work. Um, I can say that I grew up pretty quickly. Um, I had to become independent and figure out how to, you know, do things on my own. And, and because of that, I think that I, you know, that, that shell started to harden, you know, because I, I learned how to protect myself um, from other people. Um, I definitely had boyfriends and, um, you know, because I was looking for, for love, as they say, in all the wrong, in all the wrong places. Hmm. Um, so when I graduated high school, I, um, I moved, uh, I first I moved to New York and then I started to follow the Grateful Dead and then I went to California and I was gone from about, from the time I graduated till about 1995. Um, and I really started to get into some heavy drugs and, um, and I, I just, I couldn't stop. Um, I wanted to stop. I had things that I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to do this. And, um, I just, I couldn't ever get a, a grip on, um, my life to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. I was definitely bound. I was I, I was in bondage to to addiction and and therefore I was unable to fulfill any of the dreams or aspirations that I had had. Hmm. Um, I got word that my my father had died. Um, he died of carbon monoxide poisoning. He was forty one, um, and I was twenty two. And at that point. Um, I was addicted to heroin and um, I was doing things that I said that I would never do. All the things, you know, um, oh, I'll never do that and I'll never do that. All those things became true um, mm -hmm. because I had to do what I had to do to, to survive. It's like, you know, one day you're, you're, you're in high school and everything's fun and you're drinking and having a good time and the next minute I'm sticking a needle in my arm and um, I'm like, how did I even get here? You know, mm. it, it really will just come. It's insidious. It just comes. And, and, um, and at that point I had no choice. Um, so I couldn't keep a job. Um, I lived paycheck to paycheck. I was stealing. I was the person who was on people's couches. Like I was the person that the people didn't want around because I was just a liability. I wasn't, I had nothing to offer, you know, mm. I, and I didn't feel very good about myself at all. It's mm. interesting when you, share your story even leading up to this point where you're really probably thinking that you're at the the low point in your story from the time you were young it sounds like you were searching for home right searching for the one place that you could run to that would accept you that would see you right you were watching for people to see you on the fields you were looking to be seen and loved and chosen and and in the behavior, you were feeling like what you just said, which I think um, is, is a way that many people feel, or we all feel at some time, not good enough, a liability, somebody that people wouldn't even want to sleep on their couch, right? And yet the whole time, like the first thing you started out with is you're a child of God. And so while you were pursuing so many different avenues that led to a lack of understanding of who you were, go back to that scripture, there was one who was pursuing you. 
And I think it's, it's just a powerful place in your story that you were seen on that field and you did have a home, right? And he was working. One of my favorite things to say all the time, and I said it in Bible study all the time, was we may see with our eyes what's going on, right? And the picture looks ugly or sad or hurtful, and we're experiencing all this stuff, but there is always this greater story going on behind the scenes. Mm. And so we can see the workings here. You know, when you read that story first and put your story story in perspective of what Jesus said about the sheep, you kind of go, wow. Uh, I see something else was going on this whole time that I was on the field and that I was doing the drugs and I was in the relationships that weren't healthy for me. But I think about your story and I know for you a real turning point in your life, like you just shared, was that moment when you found out that your dad passed. And, you know, I, uh, I experienced a similar thing, but really from a whole different perspective of a story, I didn't, I didn't have the same uh, childhood or teenage years that you experienced. But when I was 42 years old and my dad passed, um, it was, it it rocked my world, you know? So in the most stable and secure of Mm. uh, places to be, when you have a a significant element of grief, those are life-changing, pivotal moments. You know, we like to use that word pivot on this podcast. That was a pivotal moment for you. And I can relate to that part of your story, the grief and how it, God can use that deep part of grief, regardless of where we come up to, to change things around. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Laura, there's a, whether you come from a background like Krista's describing, or your childhood, or you fall somewhere in between, right, whatever your per- personal story is, each one of us is wired to cry out for a relationship with a Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And even if your dad is a wonderful father and he is at the games he is cheering from the crowd or he's not there the heavenly father he wants to reveal to us that he was there all the time Mm -hmm. you know he was pursuing us and there's there's three needs there's three basic needs that each of us has that can ultimately only be met by the heavenly father it's that we are loved it's that we're safe we're secure right that well four needs that we are accepted and that we have a purpose Mm -hmm. and if we we can look we can look in all different places to have that need met but those unmet needs because they're not coming from the father Mm -hmm. cause your heart to be sick Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a sick heart becomes desperate Mm -hmm. desperate to try to find a place somewhere will somebody love me Mm -hmm. will somebody see me have any value will anybody be cheering for me or welcoming me in Mm -hmm. and so when i as you continue with your story about this pivotal moment you know where god starts really making himself real to you um, it comes back to that each one of us we know each listener has those basic needs Mm -hmm. and there and it's not a sign of weakness Mm-hmm. Those are not weak areas. Those are the ways that God has crafted mm-hmm. you with those deep needs, ultimately to find it in Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just sharing, Krista, your um, your testimony here and being so raw and vulnerable oh, gosh, in, yeah. in putting out your story. You know, there's so uh, that speaks life to so many people who are listening. And yeah, and as as uh, as painful as it was, it, there's something beautiful that God takes those broken places in each of our lives you know, and, and, and uses them for his glory. So how did you, um, come really from that place where you found yourself in California, um, in a state that doing things you never wanted to do with a list of things that you were doing that you said you never would, um, 
you know, what did your journey look like after that as far as, you know, recovering, right? Your, your, your acronym is ART, like the R. What does, what does the R stand for and how did that look lived out in your life? Um, so when my, when my father died, I um, had come back to the, to the East Coast um, I had seen him one last time um, before he died. Um, I hadn't seen him in five years, and so I truly believe that you know mm. God brought me back. Um, he was going to help me get my life together, and uh, we had gotten into an argument. And I was living in his garage because his girlfriend wouldn't let me. I didn't live in the house, and so they had this extra room in a detached garage, and that's where I lived. And I didn't last there very long. Um, she she never really wanted me around, so I had gone to Vermont, and I left, and I was mad at my dad, and um, I said I was just going to visit. And while I was there, I got the phone call that he had died, mm. and so um, that that's something that I have learned from taking away from that is that I don't walk out the door and slam the door behind me anymore because you just never know um, mm. when you're not going to see that person again. So I took off running again. Um, you know, I just say that, you know, I wasn't mentioned at my father's funeral. Um, I, it was like I didn't even exist. Um, his girlfriend just really, um, there was no room for, for me. And she later, 16 years after his death, she had taken her own life. So there was so much unhealthiness, you know, just in our, in our family generationally and then the people, you know, that we were involved with. And so I was off running. I went back to California and it didn't last very long. I came back here and um, I had been in jail, um, had been arrested for stealing. Um, so, and I had had some accidental, uh, overdoses. And so I was either going to, you know, they say jail institutions are death. And, um, I, so I, I went to a rehab and, um, I did, uh, a couple times in rehab, I would get out, I would get healthy. And, um, and I, it's like, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. Um, I wasn't willing to stop doing things Krista's way and, and do them the way that in rehab that they taught. And so, um, I did go to rehab. I started going to meetings. Um, I had what we call a sponsor. So I had a mentor, somebody that had gone before me. Um, and I started to believe in a, in a higher power. Um, you know, in a meeting, at the end of the meeting, you'll say the Lord's Prayer and you hold hands. And I, I could find strength in that. Like I, I felt um, a power at the, in the end of that, of, of community of people being together who share a common, you know, a common theme. And so um, I was also in, in, in therapy and through therapy, you know, it's funny that you, you say that Deb, that, you know, the thing that she walked me through is that every like thing that I could remember that happened bad to me, we, we pictured Jesus walking right alongside mm -hmm. of me, you know, mm -hmm. that I, I wasn't alone. Um, and um, so after a few years in recovery, um, I was working in, in a salon and my friend said, why don't you come to church? I was hungry. I, the, the seed was planted, you know, and um, I wanted to know more about this God. I had no idea the difference between God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. I was like, what do these people look like and how are they three different people? I mean, I was never educated as a child. I was never given this information. And so I was a baby and I was... Um, probably 25, 26 years old when I started um, the journey. And the funny thing is, is the church that we went to was a Methodist church. So it's like I came 
full circle, you know, and I spent about 14 years at that church and um, I really, you know, I grew spiritually um, on my walk and um, I, you know, the things that I did was I, I got involved and um, I read the Bible and then I started to get involved in leadership. I, I was in preschool um, and I basically, you know, allowed other people who had gone before me to speak into me and tell me how to live life because the way that I lived life got me where, you know, where I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that when I first got clean, I, I had lived with my mother again. Um, so I moved back to Delaware um, and I hadn't lived with my mom since I was 14. And I was uh, 23 when I came. Um, I had six months sober and I, it was a day after Christmas and I was still carrying around that victim mentality, you know, and so, and, and, and understandably so, you know, I had a, a long line of things that happened that probably weren't very fair. Um, and then my dad dying, which at the time I thought that my father's death was the worst thing. And, and I can say now, and, and it, it, that it was one of the best things that could have happened. It's what took me to my knees. It's how mm. God got my attention. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's what saved my life. Um, mm -hmm. So his life was taken and, and, and I was given my life. Um, but it was the day after Christmas and I was feeling sorry for myself. You know, we, I do a real good job of that. And um, I was sad that I didn't have my dad anymore, that I was robbed of my time with him. And, you know, I was identifying myself as that person of the past and that victim. And so I went out and I used. And when I used all that six months, I had grown a lot in six months. And I was able to go to work every day and hold down a job and be responsible and like all these things that I couldn't do before. And it all mm -hmm. flashed in front of me. And I was like, nope, this is not what I want to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that setback, you know, that do-over, like mm -hmm. thrusted me. And I, 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 stayed, um, I stayed clean for 14 years after that. Um, mm. I, and I've had a few bumps in the road. You know, I've had three children, um, C-section. I've had narcotics in my life. And, and, and I've stumbled a couple times. And each time I, I stumbled, you know, it's not like I had to go all the way back to mm -hmm. the beginning. It's like mm -hmm. I... I, I I made a mistake. It got my attention. My foundation might have been unstable. And, and now I, you know, looked at where I needed to, to do some work and make that foundation strong. And I, and it was like thrusted forward, like yep. beyond even yep. before. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really powerful point for all of us when we experience do-overs in life. And Debbie and I have spoken about this when we were, when God gave us the word of do-over for the month of September, that there is that, um, there is that every time that we experience a do-over as Christians, you know, part of that process of sanctification or becoming more and more like Christ is that our do-overs should look different. Right. We're not we don't want to go back to the very beginning, but we are going to make mistakes. We are going to uh, slip. But every time it's like what you just said, that experience catapulted you to catch yourself, because now at this point you have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you and he is he is prompting you, convicting you. And mm -hmm. so your do over looks different. And I think that's really an important key. And I love the fact that you said even that catapult. I'm sorry, even that do-over is what catapulted you to health and healing. I think 
maybe from the perspective of a parent of a prodigal or somebody who's living with a prodigal or really been praying for somebody, when we have loved ones who do slip back, rather than condemning, right, mm -hmm. come alongside and say, this could be the thing that, that prompts you to continue the walk that God has for you. So I think that all of us, when we come through our do-overs, to think that we've experienced this place where we're never going to fall again, right? We're still fighting the flesh every day, and uh, but every time it should look a little bit different. And so I know that's what you experienced, and I think that's a, that's a powerful part of your story that everybody can relate to. You know, the enemy, when he sees you fall again, right, when you have a relapse, he is right there mm -hmm. yeah. to speak um, a lie into you that says, see, you haven't changed. Yep. See, you're, you're a hypocrite. This doesn't really work. And, and in actuality, all you did was make a bad choice in that moment. Mm -hmm. But at that place, you have the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you yeah. saying, hey, stop here and pick. Let's let's pick up from right this place versus hitting the pit. Yeah, you, know, which, you don't you don't have yeah. to go down farther. Stop right where you are. You know, and you ask for forgiveness and you come back where the enemy is looking to accuse you as soon as you make a bad choice. Mm -hmm. That's why you go back to those uh, statements that you made in the very beginning about who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, no, Satan. I, I am a miracle. Yeah. I, I am a child of God. I am redeemed and, and holy and becoming made more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Um, those, those things are so important for us to constantly be reminding ourselves and reminding the enemy, right, of who we mm -hmm. really are when we come through these times. Mm-hmm. So um, if I were to ask you a question, Krista, with your story right now and, and where you are and when you look back where you've been, um, there are, I, I think there are key things that we need to do, right? We need to put action to our, our faith, like faith is a verb, right? We need to be doing. So what are, what are some of the key things that you do um, or you would speak to other people who may have been where you were or anybody right during this transformation process when we want to become more like christ what are the things that keep you grounded as an individual now with your um i mean you are a woman who loves jesus right striving to love him with all your heart soul mind and strength what does that look like lived out for you today we know what your past looked like lived out what does what does your life look like now that's different from the past to keep yourself where you are um so Definitely God's Word, um, being involved in Bible studies, I listen to podcasts, I have a community. I feel like the community is one of my biggest things. Um, you know, I was doing life all on my own, holding, mm. you know, the whole world on my shoulders, trying mm. to keep it all together. I mean, that's tiring. Mm. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so freeing to be able to, you know, for me, I, I visualize, um, the cross and like with my children when there's an issue sometimes i i tighten up and i want to eat but then i you know i lay them i lay mm. them and the problem i visualize laying them at the foot of the cross mm. and, and just and giving it to to him um and community you know as far as i felt like i was always very alone before and um you know when people asked me about my church i was like you know it's really the community at my church. I mean, mm. I can I can go to any church and hear a message, but do I have a community? Getting plugged in, having people that know me. You know, I'm a pretty open book. Um, I feel that that's the, what recovery has taught me is to be open. You know, we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm. Um, you know, be, me being vulnerable allows me to connect with somebody else um, and 
and maybe help somebody else. And I think it helps with relationships too, because people could look at me like this and be like, oh, she has it all together. Yes. And then I start talking and they're like, huh? Yes. You know, yes. Like, oh. exactly. And, <laughs> so, um, so the community is very important to me. I have people that I, you know, my husband and I both, we tap into different people for different things, people that have gone before us that are living with God at the center of their life, that they have lived, you know, they have wisdom, they've shared what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, we, we, we don't know. And then, and God's word is like, I, I can go back to it. It's my roadmap for how yeah. to, to live. And, um, you know, I just, it's, it really stinks to start off life not <laughs> not having that. But then who's to say that even if I would have had that, would, have I, would I have used it, you know? Mm -hmm. Did what have to happen, you know, happen to me in my life to get my attention um, so much that I would be so hungry? Because I do. I hunger for God's word. Mm -hmm. I, I hunger um, to learn and, um, you know, for my children. Um, you know, we've raised our children totally different, even for my husband, who he, he did go grow up um, going to church, but maybe not as much of a, uh, you know, relationship with, with Jesus and having the Holy Spirit guide you and always ask him for direction. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, I want to be able to, I, I, I wish that because I'm raising my kids different than the way that I raise, it's going to be like this perfect outcome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm learning that that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> Krista, is there a scripture that you have found really encouraging about the word? Because the word really is what plants the seed to bring a change. So, one of um, Psalm one nineteen, which uh, verse eleven, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, is one that I go refer back to, and that's why it's important for me to read the word and stay close to the word so that I don't forget. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to sin because I am human. But it's funny because the more that gets revealed, the more transformation that happens, the more the edges get softened. You know, I because I read the word and I know what God tells me he wants me to do, I could be in a situation where I want to say something or I want to do something and I close my mouth because mm -hmm. the word tells me. <laughs> I mm -hmm. shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. it's very important to me. I think one of the things uh, when you were speaking about how important community is to you, um, I know Deb and I both feel like privileged, honored, blessed to be part of your community, you know, to be in community with you. And I know what that felt like when I lived in Delaware. And I, uh, I think you are somebody maybe because of where you've been that understands the value of community and we have been able to keep that community going mm -hmm. even though it's almost mm -hmm. been a year that i've been living in tennessee yes there's what how many days a week you know when i'm walking we're on the phone you're constantly sending me podcasts to encourage me um or to, or to teach whatever it might be that the holy spirit's speaking to you or just to tell a story so i think especially in the times that we find ourselves in right now right? How important it is to maintain community uh, when we're separated and not meeting in the church. Because like you just said, like church isn't just about going to a building. It's about being the community. And because of the value that you have experienced or the, the input that God has poured into you because of community, one of the things I admire about you and now hearing your story, it really solidifies the why. You are somebody who is out there seeking the one 
to bring them into community. Mm -hmm. And I have seen you and I've heard your stories and I've heard the testimonies of other people that would say, Krista mm -hmm. showed me Jesus in this. Krista invited me to this. Honestly, with Bible study, how many people did you invite to Bible study because they were lost and you wanted them to be found? And more than that, the Father wanted them found and he gave mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. the desire, put it on your heart because yes. you understand the value that comes along with community. So I do think there's a that's a significant thing. If we're talking about how to maintain that, that aspect of trans being transformed is to stay in that place of community with each other. So um, yeah, that's huge. And I see that lived out in your life as you have experienced it and it's brought you to a place of wholeness. So much of addiction uh, is grounded in being lonely, you know, feeling isolated. And mm -hmm. your, your story, your childhood story about feeling uh, like you didn't have that emotional place, if not a physical place to call home, uh, that you were looking for home in a very unhealthy community. And the enemy draws you into those unhealthy communities and once you're stuck there he reminds you how alone you are in that community so mm -hmm. now you make that step you know I know you did the 12-step meetings and then God took even deeper with counseling and getting involved in a relationship with him personally and in a church but man over the years if the enemy doesn't do everything he can to try to keep you from connecting to the body of Christ if he can do that he can speak all kinds of trash in your thinking and then it, it it's harder to hear him mm -hmm. the more you the more you isolate yourself the more it's a challenge and i think of these months of quarantine and social distancing and even for these you know the 12-step programs or, or celebrate recoveries having to meet for so long virtually mm -hmm. it's it makes it that much harder mm -hmm. what just think about this a second i know we didn't plan on asking you this question but there are there are folks who are going to be hearing this podcast who are stuck in addictive lifestyles right now who are trying to get out who are trying to try the rehabs and the celebrate recoveries and the 12 steps whatever they're got their hand in but they are at this point months in feeling really lost speak to that person what would you encourage that person who's really struggling with isolation and trying to work through this addiction, what would you say to them? Um, well, I, I would say that the thing that I did to also that I didn't mention was um, I started con every day um, praying for the desire to, to use to be removed because mm -hmm. even though I wanted to get clean, I wanted to get clean because um, it was destroying, like I couldn't, I was, you know, it was destroying my life. I, I, I liked doing what I did because of the way it felt. So I needed that desire to be removed. And I truly believe that I just kept praying it and praying it. And it was, it was removed from me. Um, I was, as far as the isolation piece and, and, you know, you can get on if you have the Wi-Fi, but it's to reach out to other to people, even when you don't want to, you know, um, I had a sponsor who I had to call her every day. Well, our phones were out. So I had to walk to the pay phone. Like when it was doing the things that I really didn't want to do, but because I knew that I had to do something a different way. Mm -hmm. And so that was reaching out and asking, you know, for help from somebody else doing things that I necessarily wouldn't do. Um, listening to podcasts, reading, praying, journaling, like, um, and I mean, you can get together with people if you have your, 
your, your mask on. They say whenever two or more gather together that, you know, he is there with you. So mm-hmm. I think the word that's, that speaks to me with what you just said is intentionality. Like be intentional about still pursuing community, you know, yes. and not, not using this time as an excuse for why it's not the right time to, to find your healing or experience freedom and just being intentional about keep going and pursuing. There are avenues out there, right? If we, if we search for them, yes. there are ways that we well, can Well, we, we always found a way to get our drug, you know? Yeah, We're exactly. very creative people. Exactly. You have to, they say you have to go after the recovery the way that you went after mm. your drug, you mm. know? Mm. And it's not easy. That's why it's hard, to, it's hard to get clean. I think it's easier to stay clean than it is to get clean. Yeah, yeah. Krista, what would you say to the family member, the loved one, who is the one praying for someone who's struggling, who is the sponsor type person, who is the one walking alongside, what meant the most to you about some of those consistent men and women in your life, maybe your husband or people from church, what kind of things specifically did they do that meant everything to you? Because sometimes we do things that we don't realize how important it is how valuable it is. So what were some specific ways of responding or reaching out or loving on you that that was truly the Heavenly Father loving on you through somebody else? Um, I will say that uh, my mom was probably the, one of the first people who didn't enable me to continue to use when I moved into her house. She had been doing her own thing and she was given direction that if I was going to continue to live, because I had relapsed, if I was going to continue to live that way, that she was to, you know, change the locks on the door and put my stuff outside. And she did. And so if I would have went home this one time, I would have went home to the locks changed and my stuff outside because she was not to enable enable me. My first sponsor, you know, she set down these boundaries. Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend in the first year. I was to call her every day. I was, I needed, I had no, I never had boundaries. I did whatever I wanted to do. I lived my life the way that Krista wanted to live her life and thinking, oh, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, I'm just doing, and I I had no idea the ripple effect that, you know, Mm -hmm. I was causing to the people who loved me. I was so self-centered and focused on what I was doing that I, didn't even realize what, you know, and, and my mom, when I lived with her, I was 24. I was allowed to use my car to go to, to school. And if I didn't go to school, I was going to cosmetology school at that time. Um, they were to call my mom and people would think, Oh my gosh, well, you were 24. Yeah, I was 24, but I had never had those boundaries set in place that I needed, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was boundaries, but it was love. And it was, you know, if you're going to choose to do this, you can do that. And I'm still going to love you, but you're going to have, you're going to be on your own if you Mm -hmm. do that. And that might seem like hard love to somebody, but that's what, what, what I needed because I had Mm -hmm. built, burnt every bridge that I almost, it was like, you know, I saw that these people loved me. They cared me, cared for me. They wanted to teach me. And I was very afraid to, and not in an unhealthy way, but I, I, I didn't want, I wasn't willing to mess up to let that, to let those things go. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably very, I know, I know that that is very encouraging to those out there who are, like Deb just said, really uh, seeking out direction on how to proceed uh, with, a, with a child or somebody in your family that is going through a similar thing. 
You know, one thing uh, that just strikes me as we've, as really as we're wrapping up here, uh, thinking about what the title to this podcast, this episode is today, right? And you've titled this Experience, Strength, and Hope, My Journey of Transformation. It's exactly what we've just shared here, right? Your experience, the strength that God gave you to make it through to come to the other side, to be able to stand here and give this testimony today. And the hope, not only that you had as you walked through this, right? Jesus, picturing Jesus always by your side and the hope that you had as you were coming out of it. But now the hope that you or the Lord is instilling in other people because of the transformation that you have been through. Um, those are those are powerful words and the hope that other our listeners or anybody that they're sharing it with will come out of this episode with is really something that is supernatural right this mm. isn't just hope that um, if I do X Y or Z then things are gonna turn out right this is a hope that I if I hold on to Jesus right if I hold on to his hand and I make it through and I trust him every day and I do all the things that you've talked about like holding on to the Word of God that yes I will come through um, I know as parents praying for kids, right, it's stay on our knees, right? And for those people who are going through the struggle themselves, it's what? Stay on our knees, mm -hmm. right? Regardless of what the struggle is, regardless of what side of this you're on, it's stay on our knees. So um, Krista, I just wanted to thank you. I know Deb and I uh, both want to thank you, and I'm sure our listeners do too, for really your, your open, vulnerable heart in sharing um, your story today with so many, right? We don't know who's listening and whose hearts this is going to touch. Uh, I know it's touched ours. I just want to bring up an important scripture, which it, it's coming to me because you, we haven't said it, but it's wrapped all in your story, Krista. In Romans 8, 11, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that has breathed life into you. Amen. You know, you can you can join 12 steps and celebrate recoveries and have a sponsor and you can do 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 all these things, right? And still struggle. The bottom line is that at one point in your life you made the decision to invite Christ into your life. Yes. Amen. And when that when you did that, the very person of the Holy Spirit came and took up residence inside of you. Nice. That same spirit that lives in you, right? It's the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, that brought life out of death. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that lowest point, mm -hmm. you feel like it's death. Mm -hmm. yep. And so it's, you know, we, we wanna make sure that we point that out because mm -hmm. as we close, we have to make that decision. Have I been trying to pull myself out yes. of addiction with the best intentions? Right. But that's not the key. It was the personal relationship that you made with Christ. Amen. And then relying on his power, the, the power that lives in you. He's given you everything that you need to live a godly life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. And, and he's the one that enables you to take yes. those steps and to when you fall to not give up. Yes. He's Amen. the difference maker. I mean, your yes. story is powerful. He is the source yes. behind it. Absolutely. Amen. Yes. So I, I think as we close, I think um, yes. we need to really take a moment and invite people who are in that lost place. And I would love if you would, you know, just we're just throwing this on you right now. But 
you I think there's a power and anointing on what you pray today speak to the person who's listening to this who's in that dark dark place about just pray help them know how to pray that prayer to turn like you got there's nowhere else to call right mm -hmm. it's 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 calling out to Jesus who can set you free yes. and yeah. just um, help that person to pray to receive that personal relationship with Jesus Christ yeah. because at that moment that's when the real power kicks in Amen. Yeah. okay thank you um, thank you Lord thank you God thank you God for never for never giving up on us Lord God Amen. thank you and Jesus we thank you that you're our Savior that we can confess with our tongue and our, know in our hearts that you are our Savior Lord and that you send your Holy Spirit to come live with us that we can surrender our life, Lord, to you, that you can transform us into what you want us to be, Lord, that we then we pursue the, the purpose that you have for us, that we believe, Lord, that you have created us from the very beginning and that you have a purpose. And although we don't always know this from the beginning, that now that we have this word, Lord, that we can believe, we can believe that you created us and we can continue to ask what it is that you want us to do, Lord, that we have eyes to see and, our, and ears and our hearts are softened, Lord, to hear what you want to speak to us, Lord. And when we find ourselves in the valley, which happen life still happens lord and you know that and you walk with us through those valleys that we don't have to be perfect that's why you sent your son for us lord but that we continue to strive to be more like you that we have your word that shows us how to be like you that we want to be that we're hungry for your word lord that we want to hear it we want to know how to live the life that you have that you have laid out for us mm -hmm. lord we just thank you, Lord, that you have people like Deb and Laura and other people in our, in our world that you put in our lives. That's why we need to keep our eyes open, Lord, that we, we can receive messages from people, that you send your angels and, and that we are open to receive that, God. Mm -hmm. We just thank you. Surrender, Lord. We just surrender to you and mm -hmm. your will, Lord, not our will be mm -hmm. done. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Krista. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm so glad that we're in community together. And mm -hmm. I think our community has just gotten a little bit bigger, right? I think because so. <laughs> you've, you've, you've shared and other people are brought into the community as well. So as we close out today, if you are someone who knows someone who is struggling uh, or is struggling themselves and you would like prayer, you know, you are always at the end of every podcast, you know, we hope our listeners know that you are always welcome to reach out to us with prayer requests. Um, you can write to us at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com. Um, and we would love to pray for you and with you. Um, so we just want to let you know that we're here for you. But we also want to let you know that as we continue in our month of September with do-overs, uh, wow, there, you can reflect on so many people in the Word of God, right, who were a story of a do-over. Mm -hmm. And we could have gone so many different directions. But for next time, uh, the Lord has really led us to the story of Jonah. Mm -hmm. And there are some pretty profound lessons in his story. It's easy for us to look and say, oh, big fish, man got swallowed up, second chance, whatever. But when we go and put ourselves in some of these shoes, we will find out that we are right there in the story with him. So we welcome you and we invite you to join us next week. Uh, as we go into the story of Jonah um, for our third episode on do-overs. So thank you for being with us today. Uh, we have really enjoyed and are blessed 
by the opportunity to share with you today. Uh, we just pray God's blessing on you, and we can't wait to be with you again next time. We believe that God will use what we share to encourage you as you step into the more that He has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more 